This week's TribCast is sponsored by EarthX Film Festival. Check out the EarthX Film Festival for four days of films, including the world premiere of Deep in the Heart, narrated by Matthew McConaughey, May 12th through the 15th in the Dallas Arts District. For more information, visit earthxfilmfestival.org. And the Beer Alliance of Texas. Texas law allows three-tier compliant ordering platforms for home delivery of alcoholic beverages, ensuring safe and quality products for consumers. Visit BeerAlliance.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast for May 13th, 2022. My name is Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News for the Texas Tribune. This week we are joined by Health and Human Services reporter Karen Brooks Harper. Hey, Karen. Hi. Hey there. And uh, education reporter Brian Lopez. Hey, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Hey, thanks for joining me to both of y'all. Today, I think there's a common theme between the two topics that we're going to talk about in the TripCast, and it is the kind of excitement and success going on among the kind of conservatives in Texas, particularly in the grassroots. We've seen two kind of big victories for those groups this month, or, or maybe, maybe it's even premature to call them victories, but possibly signs of you know, reasons for optimism for both groups. Of course, the first being the draft opinion released or leaked to Politico in which uh, Justice Alito had a majority of the court seemingly ready to overturn Roe v. Wade. The second one being, you know, a, a string of victories across the state and school board races by conservative backed candidates, uh, both, you know, possibly harbingers of kind of big big things that could come later this year. Karen, I want to start with the the Roe v. Wade question. It is, of course, something that a lot of people continue to talk about in the days and weeks after this draft opinion was released. And you had an interesting story this week, uh, along with our women's health reporter, Eleanor Klebanoff, about basically the the anti-abortion movement in Texas and how they've been working toward this for 50 years. You started off that story with a, a, a leader of an abortion group who, who described kind of at the age of 14, nearly 50 years ago, learning what abortion was and beginning kind of a decades long fight to stop it. Mm-hmm. She, she, she later kind of took on the leadership role in an, import, in an uh, abortion rights group. And it kind of seems like, you know, that, that almost kind of lifetime of work might be finally coming to a realization You've spoken to a lot of people in this movement in in recent days. Tell me a little bit about what they're saying and feeling right now. Yeah, and you know, there's the the two um, distinct kind of factions there. Although maybe distinct is the wrong word, but two kind of factions there. The kind of the uh, the the people like Kylene Wright and Joe Poyman and um, you know the the right in the Right to Life committee that was uh, a third committee that was you know. Um, formed before all these, you know, they're kind of the old guard. And then you've got kind of the newer guard who are, you know, the, the, the younger or um, more kind of um, extreme or more further to the right, even mm-hmm. uh, than the, than these guys are. Um, 
you know, I've been covering covering the these groups that uh, that we talked about for almost better part of 30 years now. And um, it's been interesting to kind of watch where they've diverged. But what what they're saying now is that their fight, you know, what they call their fight isn't over. First of all, we don't know the Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Right. We have a pretty good feeling that it probably will be. Um, either way, there's an indication on the court that, um, you know, that's the way they're headed. Right. So. So what are they looking at ahead, you know, for the next 50 years as a movement and the next uh, couple of decades for those who are um, thinking about their exit or were um, they want to bring in issues around um, IVF, you know, frozen um, eggs and, and embryos. And they want to, um, uh, you know, they want to some of them want to restrict access to the morning after pill. Um, others aren't getting involved in that or say they aren't. Um, and there's some of the, you know, more, and I say extreme because I can't come up with a better word for it really, but, you know, who are, um, who are making waves and those are the Mark Lee Dixons, you know, the, uh, the pastor who's been getting all the, the city ordinances passed for sanctuary cities for the unborn. He's, he's talking about criminalizing, you know, the birthing parent for trying to get an abortion or for getting an abortion on down the road, you know, so it's kind of hard to tell where the movement's going to stop. I, I can tell you where some of them are going and where they're going to keep pushing and where they're not, you know, um, um, but there's really, um, there's not very, there's not a lot of consensus or a lot of clear picture on how far that's just, that's going to go. I mean, are we going to see people in jail for getting abortions themselves? I mean, it's, you know, that's 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 remains to be seen. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like there's a lot of opportunity. You know, this is not the end of a 50 long fight. It's a it, it, it if the Supreme Court goes in the direction that the draft opinions seem to suggest that it might. It's the it's almost a it's obviously a huge victory, but it's also an opening of a new front and a bunch of different things that could still happen. I mean, we're, we're seeing discussions, everything from, you know, of course, outright banning abortion in Texas, but but then questions about what can you do to try to prevent people from leaving the state to get an abortion. Right. You mentioned issues of birth control um, and, and uh, the morning after pill and, and, and IVF and, and just a lot of different ways and directions this can go. It's, it's interesting that you talk about kind of the splintering in the movement, right? Because I mean, it seems like one of the big challenges for these groups, for Republican politicians, is figuring out how to kind of get on the same page and not kind of fight among themselves about what the next step should be. Yeah, and you know, kind of the nature of grassroots is that it's pretty hard to to herd everybody into the same corral, right? So, um, you know, there are some there are some factions of the group that aren't under the big tent. You know, I don't think anybody is. Um, is uh is in agreement on 100 percent of the things and it's it's sort of you know um kind of what you could the, the kind of the criticism you could put on any movement or political party um they certainly hear the criticisms on the other side of this debate too that they're disorganized and and, and a little bit fractured but um you know they did have the one common purpose of overturning roe v wade and and that is probably why they were you know ended up being successful in that and i'm not giving all the credit to you know, or blame, depending on who you ask, to to the anti-abortion groups in Texas. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. But, you know, for their part, um, you know, that's the goal they united around and they've gotten it now, finding the big next, you know, 
um, boogeyman, so to speak, for them is going to prove a little more challenging because there's nothing quite as big as that. Sorry, mosquitoes. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see who I do know that as the as the older guard, you know, inches toward retirement, you know, they're in their 60s and 70s um, uh, that the new generation will see where they take it. You know, um, it's I don't know who those are going to be yet. Yeah, you mentioned Merkley Dixon, who, of course, played a big role in Texas's abortion law that is currently in effect, SB8, yeah. the, the six week, you know, basically banning once what they term a fetal hot heartbeat can be detected, banning it six weeks and, and using yeah. that unique enforcement mechanism where it's the citizens of Texas who enforce it through the courts as opposed to the state or the government. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, my impression of him is that he was fairly on the fringes of this movement, right? And and trying to push things that maybe some in the, you know, what they term themselves as the pro-life movement, the anti-abortion movement, felt was going too far or or a mistake given the parameters of Roe v. Wade. And, and you know, these kinds of things could, will get shot down kind of immediately. In a lot of ways, though, he has been justified in his effort, you know, a lot of success here in, in the Supreme Court moving very quickly to, to you know, uh, basically, first of all, allowing this law that, that did pass in Texas to stay in effect, and then now going from there. I mean, is there a sense of, you know, kind of we told you so, or, 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 you know, even kind of like we, we were right all along coming from that faction of this movement? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, they found the loophole um, and um, whether or not someone thought of it before then, um, you know, you they can probably, they probably should give credit to, you know, the older groups and the more established groups, more mainstream, if you could call them that, on that side of the fence anyway, um, for putting and, and supporting you know, the lawmakers that, you know, to get into power that ended up passing that law anyway, right? It wasn't Markley Dixon that helped put the Republican majority into, into office in Texas. It was, you know, the, the, the original pro-life movement in Texas that helped them with that among mm -hmm. others. Um, so, you know, um, but their approach, their kind of gambling approach to, um, to pushing the, the, the cause forward you know, the people like the Alliance for Texas and some of the others were concerned that the lawsuits that would ensue would then result in decisions maybe like Roe v. Wade or similar to it that would set their own purposes further back. They were afraid to gamble that. And and the Mark Lee Dixons, who, yeah, wasn't nobody really knew who he was five years ago um, outside of the movement and, you know, in that area of Texas, mm -hmm. um, you know, they 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 were willing to see where it went and if it and if it went if it but but you know at the same time they they didn't really have any any chance of it moving forward until recent years right really until the court lost ruth bader ginsburg and and, uh, yeah. and there was actually a place for their ideas on it so you know they are kind of patting themselves on the back of some for that and they did find the loophole um but they also um you know are standing on about 50 years worth of work by people who came before them yeah. um and and maybe it's time to turn over the gauntlet i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about that in in other you know areas even us <laughs> about <laughs> you know, handing the reins over to the new generation so um so we're watching very closely to see where they go because you know they can you know we, we've got a lot of the stalwarts and a lot of the you know the the long timers saying oh well we don't want to put 
you know, birthing parents in jail for trying to get an abortion or pregnant people in jail for trying to get an abortion. And we don't want to limit access to birth control, but you talk to the people on the other side or you kind of watch what happens in the future. Um, you know, there's that, that, that's all we got is the words right now. I'm interested to see where the movement goes as a whole and where the lawmakers take it. Cause that's really where the rubber meets the road is how much they influence lawmakers. That's right. And, and, you know, I think there's no question that there will at least be some people advocating for the legislature and maybe even some people within the legislature advocating for some of those more extreme measures, you know, whether it's, um, you know, holding, holding women or, or, or pregnant people uh, criminally accountable or, or targeting certain areas of birth control or, or the, um, the morning after pill and things like that. And the question is how, much will the Republican leadership and some people who might not be comfortable, you know, at the very least politically with going that far, how much will they feel the pressure, right? Because what we've seen in the, the governor governing of the state over the last couple of decades is that the Republican leadership has to worry more about their right flank than the center. And, and yeah. that, that right flank, that far right flank in that party is going to be trying to to make them feel uncomfortable and, and drive them in that direction, at least in some ways. Yeah. And by putting it back on the states for enforcement, you've now got, you know, um, you've now got the fight every session. You know, someone's going to bring a bill to knock out the ban on abortion. Um, the 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 abortion rights activists are going to bring bills to um, weaken the ban, you know, include more exceptions and that kind of thing, as we would expect them to. Right. But since there's not a prevailing law of the land, so to speak, on it anymore. Now the legislatures are free to free to fight over it every session. And I, I don't know. My personal prediction is, if we thought it was contentious in the legislature when Roe v. Wade was in effect, I, I can't I, I can't even imagine how contentious it's going to be now that Roe v. Wade is not in effect. There's no grounding, you know, ruling on it, um, and so I I don't I mean I don't. I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see, but I don't think the fight is over for any of them. Yeah. You know, something that just really struck me reading your article too, was just how unbelievably effective this movement has been. It's, uh, you, you noted, it's not just a Texas method, but, you know, even around the, the picking of Supreme Court justices and trying to find justices who will be supportive on this. But you mentioned in your story too, you know, once Republicans gained full control of Texas government, you know, since 1999, they've passed more than 50 laws supported by anti-abortion groups, you know, targeting abortion yeah. or trying to make it more difficult. And, you know, this is, we, we look back at, you know, um, the way the, the Senate Republicans, for example, in, in the United States Senate were so effective in keeping Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court. But, but this has been kind of a step-by-step -step, uh, strategy by this movement for for this entire century, basically, um, and, and, and an incredibly effective one. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, and and that's that's only kind of including really the major budget um, you know uh, lines in in these in these laws too. You know, there's a whole there's a lot more kind of little riders and and. In laws, you know, little statutes, you know, in every appropriations bill um, that kind of addresses it, you know, in their favor also. And, and um, 
the list gets longer every session. <laughs> if you look at the list, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger every session since 19, really since 2003. That's right. That's right. And, and, and as you mentioned, the, the, this upcoming session next year will, will be, um, you know, who's, who knows, we might see the biggest list we've seen before. So. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I, I imagine that they're already writing legislation on both sides of this issue. That's right. That's right. Okay. Let's pause for a minute and hear from our sponsors. Texas Farm Bureau. Donate to Texas Farm Bureau's West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund to help farmers and ranchers affected by devastating wildfires. Make your tax-deductible donation at txfb.us slash wildfirereleaffund. And Texas Gulf Coast Community Colleges. The nine Texas Gulf Coast Community Colleges are training Texans for high-demand careers in leading industries. Find out more at gulfcoastcc.org. Okay, so the other big conservative victory that we saw over the weekend, Brian, has been in your realm of schools a um a list of of school board races kind of in different pockets of the state in which conservative members who ran kind of unabashedly conservative campaigns found success we saw a sweep in tarrant county races suburban races up there places like lake travis northwest of austin katie outside houston you know conservatives pushing a kind of anti-liberal, sometimes anti what they term critical race theory position in these school board races winning around the state. What 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 happened here? I mean, how, how big of a deal do you think this is, Brian, in the uh, in the world of kind of local school governance in Texas? Um, <clears throat> I think right now it's definitely a really big deal in terms of our local school board elections, right? Um, you know, it's kind of we've documented, um, you know, conservative candidates, uh, conservative political action committees. We're not shy of saying, you know, we're going to do everything we can to put these people up in these school boards and have a majority uh, when it comes to, you know, making policy decisions that come to like diversity efforts and, and books. Um, so it really was a huge deal for uh, conservatives in these areas, um, you know, and it's interesting because in a lot of these areas that they've kind of poured in a lot of money into, there were places like Tarrant County who has seen big victories with uh, Beto O'Rourke and President Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when talking to political experts, you know, they were telling me, you know, this is like a counteroffensive. They've seen what they're calling a liberal uh, you know, agenda or liberal indoctrination coming into schools uh, from, you know, the Dallas and, the you know, and all the surrounding where it's been fairly blue. But, you know, in Tarrant County, you know, it's been a Republican stronghold. It's been, um, you know, they find successor and in recent years, state, you know, countywide, they've have they have kind of lost that. And, and this is seen as a counteroffensive to, you know, make sure that Tarrant County stays red in every aspect of, of, of elections, whether that be, you know, what, what you usually think as a sleepy school board race to, you know, state house uh, candidate. So uh, the thing that remains to be seen is if this momentum will really carry towards, you know, future election years, like we don't really know yet if this money is going to keep pouring into these schools, if the other side, you know, you know, I guess we, we can call them, you know, more the more moderate parents, the more, you know, because, you know, so not everybody that is a Republican and conservative is, you know, putting all their 
eggs in this basket. But, you know, the, the other side of this, you know, it remains to be seen if they have some sort of uh, counter or they can come up with uh, big money to then replace, you know, the conservative candidates that were uh, elected this on Saturday. So or May 7th. So it really does remain to be seen how how deep we kind of go into this and uh, toward the future. Tell, tell us a little bit about the conservative Patriot Mobile Action Pack. Y'all had a really fascinating story mm-hmm. in the run up to these elections about who they are and what they were trying to influence in those Tarrant County races. Mm-hmm. What What is who's backing this pack, first of all? Um, so the pack is interesting because uh, two things, you know, they're very unapologetically, you know, um, loud in their views, you know, they're not afraid to say that, you know, what they're calling liberal uh, indoctrination is uh, getting control of their schools. And they're not afraid to say that, you know, we're supporting the anti-CRT candidate. Mm-hmm. And so they're very loud and they're very um, passionate about what they're trying to do. And what's also interesting is, you know, this is based off of cell phone company. So what they're doing is, you know, if, if you're a Patriot Mobile customer, they're taking a percentage of your bill and putting into it, you know, their political action committee. So you're signing up knowing, okay, a part of my bill is going to conservative values, whether that be, you know, anti-abortion stuff, or now it's school board races. Um, So that's how they're funding this. It's a very, you know, interesting way to fund like a political action committee. And, you know, they're, they poured, um, you know, half a million dollars into this, to these, you know, 11 something candidates and, you know, 10 of them won, you know, and one's going to a runoff. So they're, they're very much very involved and, and, and want to keep, uh, you know, doing this. Yeah. I mean, and it just bears emphasizing that half a million dollars into 10, I mean, that is an astounding amount of money for a local school board. Race. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, these, uh, you know, I've covered school board races in, in College Station, Texas, back early in my career. I covered them up in Collin County uh, later in my career. And these are extremely sleepy affairs. Yeah. Usually, you know, very kind of civic minded. It's like to the extent that people are donating to them, it's usually like they'll have a party and their friends are chipping in $50, $100 to back it, you know, and yeah. you maybe have enough money for street signs or, you know, yard signs. And otherwise, you're just going out, you know, knocking on doors, maybe or going to forums and you get these low turnout races and and doesn't feel like there's a lot of stakes in here. But this was this case where there's a lot of money, kind of professional political operatives helping them out. And they're running on, you know, quite partisan issues. I mean, another thing that really struck me was the Texas GOP kind of declaring victory after after Mm -hmm. last week. And tell us a little bit about what they said. Yeah. So, you know, kind of the same uh, messaging, Um, you know, they said, you know, the Republicans are tired of, uh, you know, the left wing agenda and, you know, they're going to take back their schools. Um, And like you said, you know, the school board races have usually been, you know, they're, you know, putting it bluntly, they're boring that, you know, you're not going to be packing up a, you, you would never pack up a school board meeting to talk about these issues or talk about elections or anything like that, or even raise that amount of money. Right. And it's interesting to me because, you know, the other side is like make school board races, like make school board meetings boring again. Right. Like they're trying to uh, kind of go off of that, you know, where this, where, you know, they think that 
this doesn't belong in school board. It's a very, you know, it's a non-paid position. It's volunteer. Most of the time people do it on their own time. Um, but yeah, back, back to your question, you know, it's, it's the Republican party has, is feeling emboldened by this. Um, mm -hmm. They know that, you know, they, they can deepen their bench with these, with the people running for these uh, offices, you know, they have, uh, they're going to look at these people, see how they do um, and look at, you know, ways that can continue, uh, you know, uh, raising political careers and things like that. And on the other hand, you know, it's going to embolden uh, Republican lawmakers to possibly keep passing laws and, and, and mandates based on, on these issues. Uh, you know, the next step, uh, you know, with Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Governor uh, Dan Patrick is, you know, uh, parental rights and school choice, uh, which, you know, people have said that, like, that's the obvious next step to all of this. Uh, you know, you bring it, you know, you, you tackle the, uh, indoctrination, um, you get off like this kind of, um, fear that, you know, the schools are being taken over and then you kind of feed into these other things. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, um, you know, Abbott's going to campaign off of this uh, for his November election, but it's going to be interesting to see what the other lockmakers do when we're going into the actual legislative session mm -hmm. uh, to see really, you know, uh, they're saying, you know, people want this. This is what's winning elections. This is what um, uh, people are getting riled up about and going out to vote. Uh, so it is very possible that the, they continue hitting these notes uh, as we head, you know, toward 2023. Yeah, it did not feel or it felt, you know, notable that basically uh, a day, or, you know, a couple of days after these elections, we had Greg Abbott kind of announcing a, a campaign mm -hmm. event in San Antonio, and which was fully built around parents' rights in schools. And he and, you know, he, he, he brought up this parental bill of rights that he's been talking about um, and, and really made news for talking about school choice, right? This idea that you, you might be able to have your state funding follow the student and, and go to a private school or a charter school as opposed to a public school, which is um, for a lot of people in the kind of public education realm, a very alarming thing. And something that there's been a lot of traction in the Republican party for, for a long time, but has not really made it through the legislative mm -hmm. session. And so, you know, that sense of feeling emboldened, seeing as though this is an area where a lot of the energy is and where we mm -hmm. can get people fired up was definitely on display this week and in, in the days after this election. Yeah. Yeah. The, the school choice is like very, very interesting in terms of, I think, you know, in Texas is so unique, you know, we have a lot of rural areas. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in the past, rural, rural Republican lawmakers have been very against school choice because they might only have, you know, you know, their school does everything, you know, one person might do three or four different jobs for that school and maintain that, that school and, you know, their economy kind of revolves around that sort of stuff too. So, you know, they, they've been very against school choice. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, any minds are changed after this or how they're going to sell that to, you know, the rural Republican lawmakers and the rural schools that school choice is the way to go. Because uh, I think it, in 2019, that's why, you know, rural lawmakers, why that was, was that that bill wasn't passed back in, in 2019 as well. Yeah. Yeah. You, it, it's interesting that you bring up rural lawmakers because something you were saying earlier really caught my eye uh, talking about Tarrant County and how it, you know, went for Beto O'Rourke mm -hmm. in 2018. It went for Biden by a small margin in 2020. I mean, a lot of these places where we saw these conservative wins were in suburban areas, oftentimes very white areas, 
but suburban areas around more liberal, you know, yeah. uh, cities, you know, Katy is in, in Harris and Fort Bend County. Those are both, um, uh, democratic areas. Lake Travis is in Travis County, a very democratic area, but we saw this kind of pushback. How much is this percolating else elsewhere? I mean, do you, is this largely a suburban and, and particularly white suburban issue or, or, or do you see this kind of playing out in, in other parts of the state as well? Yeah, I, I've mostly seen it just in, you know, your white suburban wealthy uh, communities. Um, I've talked to people about, you know, what's going on in, you know, our rural schools and, and how they're kind of seeing all these like politics kind of surround themselves, you know, and a superintendent told me, you know, we don't have none of that here because most of the people in those areas are already like, you know, they're not introducing these kinds of yeah. you know, books or they're not introducing these kinds of like diversity and inclusion like uh, initiatives in the in like the the more rural areas you know they're kind of fine with what they have already mm -hmm. and you know the school is, is such a big part of the community that like you know they, they try their best to like not everybody tries their best to be tight-knit and not be uh, against each other you know because those are communities that are really like you know really tight in terms of you know you're gonna see you know your neighbor probably every day all day you know you go out shopping you're probably gonna end up seeing him at the shop you go to the school you're gonna end up seeing so it really hasn't you really don't see it in these areas you know and and for, for those reasons so um you know it really is going into like the it really is in the outskirts of like the the more democratic cities and like the the suburban areas yeah, it's like the, the rural areas are pretty secure in their conservativeness. The, yeah, the big yeah. cities are, you know, kind of, I think, lost to the conservatives already. And, and right. so you're, you might be seeing this more in areas that feel like they're changing, mm -hmm. whether politically, demographically, or all those other things. That's, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's, yeah, in places where, you know, maybe the, they feel like the conservatism is 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 they don't have a tight as a grip as you know maybe they would have like 10 or 15 years ago that's right that's right great well thank you so much brian thank you to karen i think that's all the time we have for today thank you to our producer justin and thank you to our sponsors the earth x film festival the beer alliance of texas the texas farm bureau and the texas gulf coast community colleges we'll talk to you all next week Talk to you.